millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're in the studio this week with C. Anderson. We are going to use that name uh, and only that name because it's the name that she uses online. She is a leader within YWAM Frontier Missions. YWAM is Youth with a Mission. We have heard from them previously, several of their staff, several of their leadership team. Youth with a Mission is one of our strategic partners here at Voice of the Martyrs that we work with around the world in hostile and restricted nations. C. Anderson, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Now, we have something in common in that we're both MKs, we're both missionary kids. Talk a little bit about your growing up years, uh, and then how did God call you not just to be a missionary kid, but to be a missionary yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, I was born in the country of Nigeria, actually in the midst of a civil war that was called the Biafran War. And so we we left Nigeria, came back to the States when I was just one. We were evacuated. Then we returned to Ghana. We were there. Again, there were some military problems, as there can be in nations in West Africa. We later went to Liberia. Again, there was a coup d'etat. We were evacuated, came back to the U.S. when I was 13 and uh, entered middle school in the U.S. um, at quite a crucial time coming out of a trauma situation. So I actually made what I now know is called an inner vow, and I said I never want to live someplace that isn't safe. But about the second year into my college experience, I got a travel itch, (laughs) and I thought, why not go on a missions trip? And it was on that trip I actually went to Thailand and to Southeast Asia, and I saw for the first time with adult eyes the needs of the unreached, those who have never had an opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them. And so as I saw that, God began to work deeply in my heart, and I knew that I couldn't just live a comfortable, safe American life when there were millions and millions who had never had the opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them and to have his good news. And so it was that summer when I made a commitment to the Lord. I renounced that desire for safety and comfort and said, (laughs) okay, God, I'll go anywhere you send me. And uh, that was really that sense of calling I had to work among the least reached people on the globe. How how hard was it to renounce that that need for safety. I mean, because you had said, I'm, and and understandably so, you had been through these chaotic, traumatic situations, evacuated from a country. So it makes perfect sense to say, you know what, going forward, I'm going to live in a safe place. So how hard was it to then go back to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I don't have to be safe? Hmm. Yeah, it it wasn't easy. And yet I think God was working so deeply and powerfully in my in my heart that summer when I was on that trip and in Thailand and the the revelation I'd have to say of the need of the unreached those who 
have never been able to hear, though I'd seen it as a child. I'd you know been exposed. My parents worked in that kind of ministry, but to see with my own eyes that there are literally millions who won't have a chance to hear unless we go, it really helped me to say, I, I just can't. I can't go back and just be a safe, you know, live that kind of life. And it's just not just. It's not fair. It's not right. Somebody has to be willing to go. And I knew God was calling me. And so there was that point of surrender. It wasn't easy, but it it also was what God was doing. Mm-hmm. There was a grace to do it. Was it was natural yeah. in that stage. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with C. Anderson. She's part of the leadership team for YWAM Frontier Missions. That is Youth with a Mission. She has also developed a training course about disciple-making movement. So, see, first of all, give us a definition. What is a disciple-making movement? And then what is the training course? What are you trying to get Christians to grab a hold of in that? We base a lot of the things when we talk about this on 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul instructed Timothy, his disciple, to entrust to faithful men who will be able to train others also, the things that he had heard and seen from Paul. And so it's disciples, making disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And you actually see these generations of disciples in a very rapid way take off. And you see groups of disciples that multiply rapidly. So the methods that they use are very simple. They work through ordinary people. Uh, There's an example of a a movement I know of in, in Myanmar where um, the movement leader is a vegetable seller. He's not a trained theologian. (laughs) He's a vegetable seller who has thousands of house churches, small house churches that are under his leadership. It's It's an incredible way that God is restoring the priesthood of all believers. And as we recognize that New Testament principle that God wants to use ordinary people to be disciple makers and to train others to be disciple makers. And as as that is happening, especially in churches where there's persecution, uh, ordinary people are learning very rapidly how to share the word of God with their neighbors, their friends, their family. We call that their oikos, and it's spreading really rapidly. So uh, within a short amount of time, you can have you know, 500, 1,000 disciples. These are not just people who raise their hand, but people who have made a commitment to follow Jesus with their whole heart, their whole life, radically committed to Christ, and then who are reaching others to do the same. Uh, so it's an exciting thing. They're indigenous. They're not led by the outside. They're funded by local local money. They're locally led. It's not go sit in a you know in a pew and hear a sermon and forget what it said by the next week. But it's okay. What are we going to do? And there's action steps and obedience steps that in every time you study the word, you say, "This is what I'm going to do with it," and this is who I'm going to share it with this story or this thing that I learned. So these things are growing really rapidly in places like India and places like Iraq and places like Afghanistan, all over the world, um, amazing movements that are happening. So in the training, it's called Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements. And it's really it really takes somebody through what is the big vision of God for your area? How do we partner with God for that vision? Um, It takes them through some simple principles of some things we actually have to unlearn about the church and how to to multiply disciples. It takes them through uh, simple processes of how do you do abundant seed sowing in your area? What are different ways that you can do that in a way that quickly multiplies? 
and will reproduce so that a new believer can immediately learn how to share their faith with others. Um, teaches these kinds of basic principles. And then how do you establish that first group of disciples in such a way that it's set up to multiply so that everyone in that group can learn how to start new groups? And uh, so it's kind of an introductory course, but gets people started on that path. And it's just been amazing to see. We started the course. I literally didn't know if we would have 10 people or what was going to happen. We had 70 in our first uh, first time we ran it, and every time we've run it, it has doubled. Wow. And so we've had, yeah, more than 500 go through the course from 48 countries of the world. Um, we've wow. been able to train people in places like Algeria and um, Albania and people in uh, Tanzania, people in Kenya, a whole bunch in Nigeria, <laughs> people in India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So many, many nations where we we don't have on-site trainers, and it um, we now with the pandemic haven't been able to go right. there if we wanted to, but we've been able to train and equip them, and they've been starting groups of disciples and really hundreds of new groups starting because of it. So how long of a course is it? How long is that training process before you say, okay, now go do it? It's a 12-week session, but you can work through it at your own time. So it's a lifetime once you sign up. It's a lifetime access, which is really good because a lot of people will go back and go through it again, or they'll take their team through it or other leaders that they're training, or they'll watch it in English and then they'll teach it in Bengali or you know, that kind of thing. So it's set up to be very simple, very reproducible. And, you know, some people go through it in about six months, some people in three months. But we have a community that we've set up. So as people are going through the course, they're part of a community of like-minded people who are really want wanting to see transformation, the kingdom come to their area. And uh, that's been really fun because it is an international community. So even though the course is open to anyone, we have uh, people from Europe, people from the U.S., from Canada going through the course as well. But when they hear the stories and the passion in, say, the Nigerian students um, for prayer or the passion that they have to share the gospel, a Nepali saying, you know, I'm reaching out to my neighbors and they're, you know, they're ready to to stone me or they're ready to, you know, they're resisting and please pray for me or someone from Pakistan will come on and say, please pray for me. There's a lot of persecution. There's this energy that comes even into the Westerners who take the course of, wow, we need to get active in sharing this good news that we have with those around us. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with C. Anderson. She is a DMM trainer, Disciple Making Movements also part of the leadership team for YWAM Frontier Missions. Uh, see if, if somebody wants to access that course, is there like a website that you can send them to or, or how do people get a hold of that? Yeah, they there is. In fact, I have a blog on disciple-making movements, pursuing disciple-making movements. It's found at dmmsfrontiermissions.com. And uh, if you go to that and click on online training, you can see uh, how to get into the course. And there's information about how to sign up to be notified when the next uh, session opens. Um, so that's probably the best place to go. You mentioned that, that there are some things we have to unlearn. What are some of those things? Or <laughs> unpack that a little bit. Yeah, well, a lot of times we um, who live in Christianized nations— have a lot of tradition 
related to the way we do church. And tradition can be wonderful. I love Christmas, you know, Christmas traditions and things like that. And yet sometimes traditions are extra biblical. They're not bad. They're not wrong. But they aren't specifically mandated in Scripture. And so um, sometimes those traditions can be very cultural or they can uh, feel very foreign. Um, and so when, especially when you're working in a church that's underground and things are um, needing to spread in a very different way, uh, we have to be willing to let go of some of those traditional ways of thinking. Just, you know, for example, that you need to meet in a building or you need to have an ordained pastor who preaches a three-point sermon. You know, that doesn't reproduce in the unreached people groups. Uh, Maybe instead of that, we tell a story from the Bible and then have a discussion using the same questions every time, you know, and, and an action step at the end saying, how will I obey what God's speaking to me, and who will I share this story with? So that kind of a format is very different from going to a church and having a big worship band that plays music and a very professional pastor who speaks and preaches. So there is some unlearning that we have to do as missionaries often when we go, and even for uh, some in the in the churches in these areas who have adopted those styles of doing church that work in the West, but don't necessarily work well for rapid multiplication of the church in their area. I think one of our challenges, particularly as American Christians, is the idea that, you know, leading and ministering is the pastor's job. Like, he's professional, he he's trained, he mm-hmm. does this. I'm just a member of the church, so my job is just to come on Sunday <laughs> and mm-hmm. and kind of passing that. No, no, no. Your job is to minister. You know, everyone's job is to minister. Everyone's job is to be sharing the gospel. For American Christians, and I include myself in that, that can sometimes be uncomfortable or that can feel hard. The other part of that is when you talk about hostile and restricted nations— we don't know if the pastor is going to be there on Sunday because he might get arrested this week. So we can't be completely dependent on, well, he's the pastor, he's the professional, um, because we're living under persecution. So that just doesn't work. So talk to me a little bit. You mentioned that that you felt led to develop this course a year before the pandemic. What What has happened in the midst of the pandemic that you have seen the fruit of God's plan was was right and good all along? You know, the pandemic has cost so many people lives and livelihood, and it has been a tragedy. But God is so good at turning tragedy around for his purpose and his kingdom's advance. And we've truly seen that. Uh, One example is in India, some of our leaders uh, and trainers who said, oh, we can't go and train. We can't travel. All the, The entire train system was shut down in India for several months which is the main way that people get around. You know, lots of things were shut down in very severe lockdown conditions. So they said, how can we continue to make disciples? Jesus' commission hasn't changed. We're still called to make disciples. What can we do? (laughs) And they began to pray and said, well, let's try doing online simple church. And so they began to gather people who were trainers to experiment with this and to, to have church services in WhatsApp groups, in Zoom rooms, in whatever 
online capacity they could. They started with eight groups. It soon grew to 40. Those 40 grew on, and almost everyone who was in a group started new group, at least one or two wow. or three new groups online. And it just spilled over then in out of the online environment into in-person environments. And we just saw this amazing explosion of simple church planning actually catalyzed because of the pandemic, um, because it forced us to innovate. It forced mm-hmm. us to think creatively, to do things that we had never tried before, that maybe we'd even thought of, but never had that impetus, you know, to say, we've got to do something different because circumstances are so different. And so it's released this creative flow of God's spirit to flow through new ways and new channels. And uh, text messaging church. I mean, crazy things that are happening. <laughs> I heard a story, and you'll, you'll, I mean, this may blow some of your listeners' minds away. It kind of blew my mind away when I heard it. But there was someone who had come to faith, a family that had come to faith, and they said, you know, the next step in obedience is to be baptized. And they were studying scriptures about baptism. They said, how can we be baptized during the pandemic? They said, well, do you have water? And on the phone, they said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, (laughs) Son, and Holy Spirit. The person dunked themselves, and then they baptized their family. So, you know, that kind of obedience, we've got to obey Jesus no matter what it takes, no matter our circumstances, we're going to do what he's commanded. And it's it's unleashed a real explosion. Um, People coming through the course have also been reaching out. I have a Uh, a student who went through our course who's a Rwandan refugee in Belgium who planted an online church through an outreach with people in India. (laughs) (laughs) Multicultural. (laughs) Crazy connections that are happening, um, you know, where people are reaching out across borders in unique new ways, but just um, passionate to see his kingdom move forward. I love that spirit of... You know, Jesus' commands didn't change because we had a pandemic. We're going to have to change how we how we do the commands, how we complete the commands, but also that just that willingness to say, "Hey, if if it's not about me being in the same room with somebody, well, then it's not about me being in the same country with someone because <laughs> you know we can connect across borders on in a Zoom room or whatever." I hope that infects our listeners. You know, as they hear these stories, that that they say, "Okay, wait a minute." Yeah, we've had some setbacks here, too. We've had some hardships here, too. Okay, how are we going to keep doing what God has called us to do? We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with C. Anderson. She is a leader within the YWAM Frontier Missions area. Uh, C. Anderson, as we kind of wind down, I want to ask you a couple questions about our listeners who maybe are feeling called into DMM, into missions, Maybe they're wrestling with that. Maybe they're at where you were at, and I'm not going to go live any place that's not safe. Maybe they feel like, yes, I am definitely called, but I don't know what to do now. Talk a little bit to them about next steps. Well, I, I would say to those who are wrestling with this sense of a calling that there is nothing more amazing that you can do than to partner with God in his dreams for the world. And though there is sacrifice and there, there, you know, there is a laying down of our lives, but there's also great reward in this life and the life to come. And it is so worth it. You know, we, it's just so worth it. I would never want to have chosen any other life 
than being in that place where I'm surrendered to his will. And no matter what we're doing, no matter what job we're working in, we need to be disciples who make disciples. It's a command of Jesus for everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. And that that life of being a surrendered disciple who shares his good news with others and trains them to reach their community, bring transformation as kingdom come in this world is a calling for all of us. So I think the first thing is to just say, I want to be that kind of disciple. I want to be someone who is fully surrendered to Jesus and to obeying his commands to love my neighbor, to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself, and really living that out and taking my faith into a practical arena. I think as we do that, I often tell people who say, I don't really know what God wants me to do with my life. What's the next step? I'm praying to know which country to go to. I often say God works better with a moving vehicle. You know, it's, and I remember the, the trucks, these big Tata trucks in Nepal. And, you know, when you think of this big truck full with vegetables, you know, overflowing out of the top, if I try to push that truck, I am not going to get anywhere. But if that truck is already moving, with a, it's easy to guide it. Yeah. And a moving vehicle is easy for God to, to steer. And as we just take that next step, maybe he's telling you to go become friends with your Somali neighbor in your community. Maybe he's saying, take that step to reach out to that Chinese university student. Invite them over for a holiday meal with you. As you take those steps of faith and obedience, he will steer and direct you to the next steps that he has for you. Um, in YWAM Frontier Missions, we actually have a, a whole course called Next Steps in Missions. And um, so that's something people could check out as well. Find out more about that at ywamfm.org. Last question, and we always want to equip our listeners to pray. So I'm thinking about some of these DMM leaders in a place like Nepal or Pakistan or Nigeria. How do we pray for them and for the challenges that they face on a daily basis? I think it's important to pray that they will be able to see that God can use them as ordinary people. And I think a lot of times when I'm training, say, a Nigerian woman who uh, works as a houseworker in someone's home, you know, for her to believe that God could use me, it it's a bit of a leap, as it is for all of us, you know, as an ordinary person to say God could use me to do something extraordinary. So I think that that would be my first prayer that 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 the church could embrace the priesthood of all believers and not be stuck in a mode that says you have to be highly trained or you have to have a lot of money or you have to have a lot of, you know, whatever it is, talent or skill to be used by God. Um, and then, of course, protection, you know, for these movement leaders, they they can be uh, spotlighted by the government, especially as things begin to grow and multiply. And there's, you know, thousands of believers and churches being started um, and that God would protect them and their families and especially those who are really the key leaders in these movements. See, Anderson, it is always fun to hear what God is doing around the world. It's always fun to sit down with someone who has a front row seat and is seeing what God is doing. 
Thank you for being our guest on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.